My name is Brad Steiger. I get the privilege of being the student minister here uh, at Keystone Montgomeryville. And really what that means, if you have a student grade 6 through 12, anyone have a student grade 6 through 12 in the room? All right, cool, cool. I have the responsibility, the burden, the privilege every week to throw dodgeballs at your kids. Um, just kidding. We eat pizza too. You know, we're not that stereotypical. Just kidding. But um, no, really, our, our heart and our mission at Keystone Students is the same here on a Sunday morning. We exist to connect with students, to lead them into a real and meaningful relationship with Jesus, and to equip them for life and service. Pretty big, uh, a pretty big goal, but we're excited to be able to partner with you as the, as the number one disciplers of your kids in doing those things. And so um, maybe you know this about me, maybe not. I've been at Keystone since I was a middle schooler in 2006. So my family's been here with the Keystone family for 16 years, and nine of those years, I've had the privilege of working on staff here at Keystone, and I love what I do. Hopefully, you can tell that. Um, I'm blessed to work along some, alongside some awesome people. Like Grant, he leads our student worship team. Terry Breslin, you guys might not see her a lot because she's behind the scenes. I call her our student ministry superhero because she holds us together, um, and we have an incredible team of volunteers that serves week after week. And uh, we are blessed to be able to have them also ministering to your students. And I also had some awesome interns this year. I had Zach, uh, Peyton, Brendan, and Matt. So if you guys are watching, thank you for all that you did. Um, One of the things I love about being here at Keystone is we don't water down the gospel. Have you noticed that? If you, if you notice that and you didn't like it, you're probably not here. So you're probably not watching. We, we, we take the gospel very seriously. I mean, we're literally doing a series called what? Anyone remember? Dangerous prayers. We've been praying and we've been fasting all month long saying things like, God, make me bold like the church in Acts. That's a dangerous prayer. We said, God, make me obedient even though I know that opposition's going to arise when I do. And we, last week we said, God, help me to live sent even though that might mean giving up some time some treasures, some talents. And today, we made it. We're in the last week of our Dangerous Prayer series. No more dangerous praying for the rest of the year. So I'm excited for that. No, I'm kidding. This is going to have to continue. This is going to have to continue. But the dangerous prayer that we're going to pray is found in the book of Psalms today. Anyone a big fan of the book of Psalms besides me? Yeah, I grew up um, loving the Psalms because I would write music. And I found out that a lot of the Psalms were like songs and poems. And so I really started diving into the Psalms probably in high school, and I was like, man, there's a lot of symbolism in here. It's really cool. Like, I read Psalm 63, God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. And I remember being like, wow, that is poetic. That is so symbolic. And then I realized it wasn't just symbolic. It literally says in the preface, a Psalm of David when he was in the desert of Judah. And then I started realizing, wow, like, this was so symbolic, but actually very real to King David. He was literally in a desert without water, and yet he can also focus not just on his physical needs, but his spiritual needs. There's a sermon in that, but that's not where we're going today. And so what I see in the book of Psalms, in the life of King David, is a consistency and an authenticity in his prayer life, in his relationship with God. If you've read the Psalms and you would agree with that, can you just nod your head make sure you haven't zoned out yet? Yes. You're like, did Mark actually go to Keystone North? Like, is, is he the new pastor? Like, was he faking us out this whole time so we wouldn't leave? Okay, sorry. Note to self, don't say that in the next service. All right. You see a consistency and an authenticity in David's prayer life, in his relationship with God. And really the main 
focus of today is I want us to realize that God desires to be close to us. God wants to be close to me. And if we get this dangerous prayer that we're going to have to pray, I think it's going to be hard for him not to get closer. The Bible says, draw near to him and he will draw near to you. And so the dangerous prayer we're going to pray today is this, search me. Search me. And towards the end of the message, we're going we're gonna to spend some time, extended time, praying this prayer for God to search us. So we're going we're gonna to flip over to Psalm 139, and we're going to camp out there. We're going to start with the first few verses, then we're going to end with the last two verses. And there's a whole lot of good stuff in between. We just don't have time for it today. So I challenge you, maybe this week, uh, pray through all of Psalm 139. It's a, it's a beautiful psalm. So here's what it says, starting in verse 1. O Lord, you have searched me. And known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down, and you're acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before, and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. I cannot attain it. My grandfather was a pastor for many years, and he would always finish uh, the reading of Scripture by saying, may the word of the Lord speak to our hearing and our understanding this morning. And so David, he starts by admitting this very real truth, that God knows everything going on with him. Do you guys like that? How does that make you feel? God knows everything going on with you. And he says, you have searched me, like past tense. He's done this before, clearly. You have searched me, and you've known me. How many of you guys would say you like being searched? You enjoy going to the airport and being searched. You enjoy ripping out the flint in your pocket, your lint in your pocket to make sure that the buzzer doesn't go off, right? I was thinking about that. It's like you go through the first machine, and then if something shows up, or if they just feel like it, they're like, oh, you got to go to round two. And not to get weird, we're in church, but it gets a little more uncomfortable the second time around, right? And the reason I say that is because when I'm reading Psalm 139, and a lot of the Psalms, David has seemed to be okay with getting uncomfortable with God. And the challenge for us today is, are we okay with getting a little uncomfortable? The thing I realized this week as I was praying through Psalm 139 is that David went through the same exact things that we went through, that we go through. Doubts, insecurities, frustrations, sins. And it's no surprise to God what's on David's heart and mind. He said, even before a word is on my tongue, you know it all together. Which leads me to the question, why would David then go on to write 74 of the 150 psalms that are in Scripture? And after praying about it, I came to the conclusion that there is a freedom, listen to this, there's a freedom in admitting that God knows. Because if God knows, it means he's in control. I was hoping for a few more amens on that one. Let's try it again, ready? Run it back. If God knows everything that's going on with my heart and my mind, I can live in freedom because that means that he is in control. All right, we need the live stream to hear it. And that's a really freeing thing for us to realize that God's hand is in our situations. It should comfort us that what we bring to God and what he finds when he searches us does not catch him off guard. The psalm continues to say, where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? And then David shows this beautiful poetic thing of of if I go to the highest of highs or if I make my bed in Sheol, still you are there with me. David was so aware that God had a desire to be with him as he processed the things 
on his heart and mind. And the same is true with you and me. It mattered so much to God that God wanted to take his hand and lead him through those dark valleys. It reminded me of Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you. All right, I heard some different translations. I like it. For you are with me. God is with us. He was close, and he wants us to be close with him. But where do we generally feel God's presence more? In the highs, in, in like the awesome experiences, or the lows? This is participation. I do lead a student ministry, after all. Highs or lows? Oh, really? I'm going to have to adjust my note because I thought we're praising God during the job promotion. I thought we're praising God when we don't have homework on the weekend. Any high schoolers in the room want to say facts? All right, all right, he's online, just doesn't have any homework. <laughs> Lucky. I thought we're praising God for the two-week vacation, for the camp experiences, for the relationship we got in. Am I wrong about that? It's a lot easier to know, hey, God, thank you so much for what you're doing. And oftentimes, maybe we just got to mature. We got the steak group for service. I like it. Oftentimes in the lows, we're like, God, where are you? My girlfriend broke up with me. Right? Or more serious things like, God, we're, we're struggling financially right now. God, I just lost my job. How am I supposed to provide for my family? God, this person just discovered a sickness. Whatever it might be, oftentimes we don't go and lean on God in the lows. Maybe I'm the only one. But Scripture is clear that God is a God of the mountaintops and of the lowest valleys. And if you haven't figured it out by now, life is a series of mountaintops and low valleys. And God is the one that remains constant through it all. God desires to be close to me. He desires a relationship with me no matter what. If you had a coworker or, or a family member that you didn't really like that much or whatever it might be that knew what was on your mind all the time, would they want to be close with you? Hypothetical question. But God doesn't care. God doesn't care that, that you're doubting him. God doesn't care that you're just so filled with frustration and anger. And what I mean by that is he doesn't care to the point where he's like, I'm keeping my distance from you. He desires to stay close to you and to me. So we said that the dangerous prayer today was what? Search me. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at these last two verses of Psalm 139. And even now, what I'd love for us to do is pray through these verses, not just read them, but actually start and begin to invite God to search our hearts. So here's what it says. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. And pray it one more time. God, search me, know my heart, test me, and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you, and lead me along the path of everlasting life. We spent the first few minutes of, of today's message talking about how God has already searched us, and he's already known us. So why does David finish Psalm 139 by saying, search me, know me? I think that the prayer for God to search me is an invitation for him to share with me that which he already knows. Does that make sense? So we started off by saying, 
God knows what's on my heart. He knows what's on my mouth before I even speak it. And so when I pray the prayer for God to search me, I'm not really giving him permission because he doesn't need it. And sometimes, like, out of the blue, God just drops something on you. But when I'm praying this prayer, what I'm doing is I'm saying, God, I invite you into this conversation. I know you already know, and I want you to share some things with me, things that are on my heart, that are on my mind, some of these things that offend you, things that are stirring up anxiety in my life. He already knows these things, but he wants to lovingly share these with me and speak into the areas of my life that need it. The best news about opening the door for God to come and search you is that he doesn't handle things the way that humans do. Humans aren't very good at those kind of conversations. But God, when he searches your heart, you could be humbled, like the creator of the universe, perfect, lived a perfect life for 33 years when we can't go 33 minutes without sinning, is coming into a conversation with you, and you ask him to show, the, show you the things that offend him. It can be a humbling experience, but what it's not going to be is a condemning one. Have you noticed that about God? He's not a condemning God. God is not a God that's going to say, I can't believe you did. I can't believe you haven't. It's just not the kind of God that he is. God will point out anxious thoughts that we have, the things that offend him, but he's going to do them with love, with grace. He's not going to do them with shame, with guilt. It's not who he is. And I've been praying this prayer, search me for the past week or so, and God has pointed out some things to me, but one of the things he really pointed out to me is that he just wants to spend more quality time with just me and him. We have a little baby at home now. It's crazy. I know a lot of you have been there, done that. So it's kind of difficult, or at least that's the excuse I make, to get that nice quality time with God. And, and God showed me as I opened the door for this conversation that he desires to spend more time with me. He desires to just sit with me on our couch, speak into me, show me some other areas of my life where maybe I'm not trusting him or where I need him. And when he showed me that, first off, it wasn't like an audible voice. I remember being a high schooler sitting here at Keystone and being like, what in the world? God showed you something? Like, can he come to my house? Like, God just God wants, a prayer is not a one-way conversation where I'm just talking about all the things I need for God to do. Prayer is a conversation back and forth between me and God. And he put that on my heart. And it wasn't condemning. It wasn't, I didn't feel guilt or shame. What I felt was Love, what I felt was conviction, which is a work of the Holy Spirit in my life, right? But what does the, what does the Holy Spirit also do? He comforts. So I love that, how that works. He, he can convict me of some sin in my life or some priorities that are messed up, but he's also going to comfort me in those as well. As I was sort of wrapping up my, my message uh, yesterday, I was sitting near our basement door, and Graham is our son. Nicole, if you don't know, if it's your first time here, my, Nicole was singing right here, the one that sang the best out of all the people up here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, she's my wife. But Graham's like 14 months, so he, he's walking now, and he discovered where the basement door is, which is awesome, except at least twice a day, he walks over to the basement door, he starts knocking on it, and he signs, he goes, please, please, please. This is the sign for please, I think. That's what we taught him at least. So if he does that, pick him up or something. But because he knows that when he goes down in the basement that there's this world full of new toys that he doesn't get to play with for most of the day. 
and he enjoys spending time down there in the basement. But the thing is, he needs mom or dad to pick him up. He's not allowed to go down the basement by himself until he's 18. <laughs> and so when he, when he senses like, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come over to the basement door and pick him up, it's the cutest thing. I was going to get a video of it. Nicole said he wasn't dressed accordingly for you guys to see, so I'm sorry. He'll open his arms up wide, and he'll run into my arms. I'll pick him up and hug him. I'm like, you want to go to the basement? He's like, yeah, yeah. And we go down the basement, and we have the time of our lives. And is that not just a small glimpse of what God's looking for with his kids? Is God not looking for sons and daughters who are so eager to go spend time with him, to go enjoy, like those toys, the good gifts that a good father wants to give to his kids? God loves you, and he desires to be close to you. And I'm wondering if, if some of the reasons that we're not drawing near to him, that we're not really inviting him into this conversation where we're being real about what's on our hearts and what's on our minds, is that we're scared that maybe he'll condemn us, he'll shame us, he'll guilt us for, for all the years of neglect or all of the hours that we've put our affection and our attention on someone or something else. But like we said earlier, God is not that kind of God. He's a good father. So we need to believe the truth that he cares about us and that when we open this door, he goes to those anxious thoughts and he wants to heal you of those. He goes to the dark places of your heart and he wants to heal you of those. I know healing is a scary word in in a church like, like Keystone, but Psalm 147 says God heals the brokenhearted. God binds up their wounds. God is in the business of healing. He's not a God that wants to hurt us. He wants to help us. He wants to heal us. He wants to take those years of, of burdens that you've been carrying on your shoulders and, and, and loosen them. He wants to free you from some lies that you've been believing. He's a good God. He's a good Father, and he loves you. So what I want us to do for just the next few moments is go to this good father, and we're going to break that prayer down that we just prayed a few moments ago, line by line. We're going to say, God, search me. God, know my heart. Test me. We're going to go line by line. We're going to pray it. So service is not done. It's kind of just started. Because if I just talk for the past 20 minutes and that's all it was, then we haven't put into practice that which God's trying to say. Because I have a feeling he desires to draw near to every single one of us in this room regardless of where you're at, whether you've been a believer for, for years or whether you don't even know him yet. He desires to draw close to you, speak some things into your life. So God, even in this moment, would you help us to hear? Would you help us to believe what you're saying to us specifically, God? And if there's a step of obedience that we need to take, pray that we would be obedient in it. And as you're praying, If you start hearing condemnation, guilt, shame, disappointment, you have to believe that that's not from God, and you got to call that out because the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But God has come, why? So that we may have life and life abundantly. So first, would you open the door for a conversation with God? You can simply pray, search me. God, I give you permission, even though you don't need it, 
I give you permission to share with me that which you already know. God, search me and know my heart. When we pray, know my heart, we're asking God to show us areas of our lives, areas in our heart where our affection and our attention have drifted from a love relationship with him. Areas in my heart where I care more about a thing, more about a person than the one who loves me unconditionally. God, know my heart. Where has my attention and my affection drifted from a love relationship with you? Ask him that right now. Search me and know my heart, God. We're going to spend like 45 seconds on each of these. prayer, test me, God. Is the relationship that I have with you able to withstand the low valleys, or have I relied solely on the mountaintop experiences? Test me. Pray that. Continue praying. God, know my anxious thoughts. Another translation just says, know the things that I care about, the, the cares that I have. Maybe, maybe you wrestle with anxiety, and that's a simple prayer. God, know my, know my anxious thoughts. But another perspective that you can look at this is, God, is my mind healthy? Is it strong? Is it fixed on the spirit? Or is it fixed on the, on the flesh? Because Paul tells us in Romans, the mind fixed on the spirit is life and peace. And there's how you know. You're experiencing life and peace. But the mind fixed on the flesh is death. So God, when you search my heart, when you search my mind, have I embraced anxiety? Or have I embraced a life that's filled with peace? The peace that guards my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. God, know my anxious thoughts. Spend some time praying that even now.
And remember, God's a good God. He wants to take those anxious thoughts. He wants to replace them. So don't just acknowledge the anxious thoughts that you're having. Ask him to replace those with, with things, with the good gifts that he has for his kids. would you point out anything in me that offends you? Point out anything in me that offends you. God, where am I wanting my will be done and not thy will be done? What am I doing that hurts your heart? Thank you for showing me this with conviction, but also with love, comfort, Show me, God. Show me even now what offends you. It's in me. we're going to pray lead me to the path of everlasting life lead me along the path of everlasting life we know something that David didn't that Jesus is the true and the only way to eternal life the path of faith of truth and of godliness so when we pray this we're saying God lead me into truth lead me to a place where I'm trusting you that I'm walking the straight and narrow path that will lead to a true communion, true fellowship, true abiding with you now and for eternity. And maybe there, there's some people in the room today that you don't have this relationship, this closeness with God, and you want it. Invite him. Maybe he's knocking on the door. Maybe today is the day he said, I'm calling you out of darkness to my wonderful light. You don't have to know all the right words. You just talk to God as he draws you. So, God, we thank you. We're grateful that you know us through and through. There's no one else that we would want to know all of these things, God, because you're so loving, you're so kind and gracious towards us. In our weakness, 
You are strong. God, so I pray that this prayer would not just be something that we do on this day, but that it would be a part of our lives, that we would invite you to share with us that which you already know so that we can better love you and serve you and make an impact for the kingdom and the community that you have us in, the works that you have us in, the schools that you have us in, families that you have us in that need to know the hope and the love of Jesus. Thank you that when you search us, when you point these things out to us, you do it in love, that you're patient with us, you're slow to anger, and that we can come to you as broken as we are. Experience your healing, experience your freedom, experience the life that you have for us. It's in your name we pray.